Welcome to the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech, where we give our audience a look into the world of manufacturing with a focus on the modern technology trends that we commonly call Industry 4.0. My name is Sam Russell. I'm the Senior Director of Smart Manufacturing Solutions at Grantech, and I bring a whole bunch of guests on this show to share their thoughts on the subject, their experiences around what works and what doesn't, and just to share and chat about some tips that are going to lead you to a successful digital transformation. Today, I am joined by Rick Roskowski, who is from Cognex. He actually began his career with the Vision Group over at Allen Bradley as a software developer and a vision application engineer before joining Cognex in 98. Rick now has over 35 years of experience within machine vision and holds a variety of technical and marketing leadership roles. Since joining Cognex, Rick has served as Director of Engineering, driving technology development of Cognex's largest product line, which is their Insight Vision System, and as a, a Director of Marketing for the Vision Systems Business Unit. He's currently working in an executive consulting role where he gets to do fun things like this and focus on vision-guided robotics in Industry 4.0. And Rick also has a BS degree in computational mathematics from Marquette University. Great to Thanks, have you Sam. here, Rick. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, so, and it's great. I think it's really great to have Cognex here, right, with kind of that, that device and that vision expertise. It comes up all the time in Industry 4.0, so I'm, I'm super happy to have you here. Um, but we always kind of like to start with a big, broad question. What does Industry 4.0 mean to you? Know, you? I think, you know, the textbook definition of this, you know, stems back from Germany, uh, really wanting to address the fact that there's zero population growth, they're a manufacturing powerhouse, and, you know, how are they going to sustain sort of this economic engine that they have uh, facing, you know, potential labor, labor shortages? And, you know, they saw what was a lot of, wasted time and energy from an engineering and administrative facet of just doing you know repetitive functions that were adding a lot of value and so it's really to address this is how do we drive radical increases in productivity and that required some disruptive technologies and some some new ways to look at how we're going to do manufacturing with the goal of, of driving out you know waste in the manufacturing process and i think you know industry 4.0 is really looking to drive these productivity gains through having first better visibility. We need to see what's going on in the factory mm -hmm. and be able to access real-time production data from anywhere, not just down in the manufacturing line. Uh, we wanna get increased transparency. So like, okay, what's happening and why is it happening and using analytics so that we mm -hmm. really understand the data, not just there's numbers out there, but what's, you know, what's really happening in real time. And then start to deploy uh, AI and machine learning so that we can start predicting when things are gonna happen. And in particular, thinking about preventative maintenance by predicting rather than just having scheduled maintenance, which you know, may or may not come at the right time. And then ultimately, you know, mm -hmm. how do we get our machines to be making decisions for themselves and optimizing the whole process by, uh, you know, just we don't need human beings to, to do tasks where the machines have learned, how do I you know, get orders into my supply chain? How do I uh, scale back production because we've got excess inventory in the field? You know, and so I think at the at the root level, at the implementation, there's a lot of different technologies being brought to bear to achieve these goals. And I think we're going to talk about some of those during this podcast. I think we are about to. In fact, it's probably it's my next question, really, because, you know, as a, as a technology provider, 
Um, what is Cognex doing? What are the products that you have and kind of how do they help with this digitalization? Sure, I think, you know, that term, the, the digital factory of the future, I think, you know, Cognex offers machine vision and barcode readers that are, are prolific digitizing devices. You know, we capture images. Yes. You know, we have, we have data that goes into the PLC and into, uh, you know, edge intelligence devices now trying to make meaning of the data, but the images can be of much more value than sometimes what we can do on the plant floor. We've got production line speeds to deal with, and we're, we're trying to solve a particular problem, be it traceability or inspection. And we're able now to mm -hmm. offload these images. More and more companies want to archive all the images. Sometimes it's just a repository in case they need to go back and record keep and, and, and check something out. But more and more, it's like, how do we bring those images to provide more value and feed those images into mm -hmm. uh, machine learning and AI algorithms to figure out, is there something that we're, we're not seeing? In a particular example, uh, we have our barcode readers in logistics facilities. You know, reading barcodes is, is the most important thing. If we can't read a barcode, that package or box has to go back into the loop and probably some human has to intervene in, in what's going on. And so we take images of barcodes or products where we couldn't read the barcode and we send them to an offline server. Then we have our Vision Pro software running algorithms to determine the reason we couldn't read the barcode. And it, it turns out that about 90% mm -hmm. of the time, there's not actually a barcode on the product, uh, but there's no other time. <laughs> That's probably why you couldn't yeah. read it, yeah. Uh, there are other <laughs> times when it, it could be a damaged label, it could be that a flap of a box wasn't glued properly. And through this data and through the analytics, we can quickly direct plant personnel to the root issue to correct the problem. So there's much less downtime because if it's, if it's really a labeler issue or a gluing issue, you're going to get a lot of packages coming by and you're not necessarily going to know where that's coming yeah. from. And so we can quickly redeploy plant floor personnel to address the root issue. Yeah, no, great example. And I, you know, one of the things you were talking about in there, um, that idea of kind of offloading those images, right? I know that one of the reasons that that Grantech, um, or one of the applications that Grantech's used a lot of Cognex cameras for is particularly when you need like some intelligence in the camera itself, right? And I think that Cognex is really kind of a, a leader in having smart cameras that are kind of self-sufficient, but it's it you're, there's only so much that you could do that way. And there is more if you kind of can access the cloud and access that higher intelligence Absolutely. on top, of it, right? Yeah. Great. So, so that's where Cognex is at now. What do you see changing for you all in the future? What's on your roadmap that's going to bring even more value to that industry? Yeah, I think there's two areas I think we're really focusing on. The first is this idea of edge intelligence, which is transferring data from our devices, not just to PLCs for production line control, but to platforms mm -hmm. running algorithms and data collection. That is a direct connection between the device and we calling edge intelligence. So we have an entire team and a business now focused on building edge intelligence solutions. And so today well, we're primarily focused on the logistics market with our data man readers, where we may have hundreds of readers in a distribution center, for example, and we're collecting information from all those readers. We're also managing those devices. So if there's something that needs to be done for say a, a firmware update, we can push firmware updates down to all mm -hmm. those devices from a central location. If we need to get read rate statistics for each line, we collect it. And so we, we have a combination of data going to an edge intelligence device. Sometimes it might be a lot mm -hmm. of just visibility. We can display what's happening. We can show read rates per line. We can show throughput per line. Uh, but then we can also have these offline vision algorithms running on that platform to determine root causes of noise. So that's a pretty big area of investment mm -hmm. for Cognix right now. 
Right, but there's that idea. Uh, I know we're like kind of you're you're getting those images from the line in real time. You might be doing a lot of analysis from them in the cloud or in offsite systems, but then you take the models developed from that and redeploy it to the camera, so it doesn't always well, need that connectivity. It could be right? that case where we determine a root cause or an optimization that we could actually improve the reading capability by adjusting lighting, for example. So we might have an offline server determine yeah. that, and then again push those settings down back into the device to have it perform better. Cool, that's yeah. really so neat. The other area we're yeah. working on is continuing to add more uh, connectivity options to our devices. I think when, when Industry 4.0 mm -hmm. came out, there was a huge discussion around OPC UA as sort of the transformative technology that everybody would adopt. And you'd have this single protocol in the factory that all devices spoke. And I don't think that's materialized yet. Uh, I'm not sure it will, and mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't uh, seem to have a huge merit to be taking all the devices that are connected directly to control equipment and PLCs to convert those from existing communication topologies to OPC UA. And so there's, sure. there's demand for more. And, and for example, MQTT is a protocol that was early on in the discussion. It's a it's relatively simple to implement compared to OPC UA and it's gained a lot of traction. And so we're implementing a native MQTT server into our platform so that we can directly provide data, which includes not just the numerical data, but metadata back to edge intelligent devices. And then the other area we're seeing is just demand for, you know, higher speed, more synchronized communication. Ethercat's a platform that supports that. And there's a, a lot of talk over time synchronized networks. And supporting these protocols typically requires customized hardware so that your device is, is synchronized with what's going on with all of the devices. And there's some new chip, chip technology emerging where these chips don't just support a single protocol, but they actually support a whole variety of factory floor protocols. And they offload all of the protocol work from the main CPU, allowing that main CPU to focus on its main job of, of inspecting and, and reading barcodes and things like that. So I think that's an area where we're really focused on is making sure that we offer the diverse range of communication strategies and then also moving to platforms and newer platforms that will have multiple ethernet ports so today most devices have a single port but moving to two ports where you can have one port dedicated to your real-time data service to your control architecture and then offload all that image traffic all of that hmi traffic all of your edge intelligence data sure. through a separate port that's mm -hmm. being managed so that you're not trying to share that bandwidth uh on your on your control yeah network. That makes a lot of sense. And also that idea of the chips that are, are kind of offloading and supporting multiple protocols, that, that's a new idea. Actually, I, I hadn't heard about that before. Uh, and that's maybe one of those things working more in the software world than in the yeah. hardware world, right? But uh, that that's really neat. And it sounds um, cool in that, like, it's not just Cognex, but it means that so many more devices are going to be so much more capable of being able to speak more languages and protocols Absolutely. in the near future. So, And you're also very right about the OPC UA thing, right? OPC UA is a great way to do OPC in a modern yeah. way, but OPC is, has certain ways of communicating, and there are yeah. other alternatives out there with for yeah. different use cases. Yeah. Um, so speaking of use cases, um, what is a good case study that comes to mind for you when you think about positive impacts from these digitalization and industry 4.0 initiatives? Okay, this is maybe not the first case study, but it's back in the 2007, 2008 timeframe. So this is probably a little bit before you heard a lot of talk about industry 4.0, but it was a very progressive manufacturing yeah. company that was pushing forward with sort of the digital factory, probably in advance of a lot of other companies. 
And they wanted us to implement a new time synchronized protocol that would require us to integrate new MacFi hardware into our devices and implement uh, or add an FPGA into our device. And it wasn't clear initially sure. that it would be the best use of our engineering resources. Uh, the the amount of devices being deployed, it wasn't financial. wasn't clear the financials would make sense to do this. Uh, but the customer sure. pledged that through this technology, they would be able to incorporate instead of two to three vision systems per line, it'd be five to six, and it's eventually grown to ten. And with this new communication technology, their plan was they were going to have to spend a lot more on capital equipment, both on their control architecture and on the inspection equipment from Cognex. And they determined that the capital equipment expenditure was worth it because they could justify it and increase capacity on the line, significantly increase capacity, as well as significant scrap reduction. We don't think about scrap reduction yeah. so much all the time, but that's a, it was a major contributor to moving to this new architecture, oh, which yeah. allowed them more precise control over their manufacturing process. And more than 10 years later, we're still working with this you know, manufacturing powerhouse that's really driving us to continue new innovative solutions for them. That's really neat. And and I've asked this question a bunch of times. People usually don't go back to 2007, 2008 to kind of bring up those industry 4.0 stories. But it really, I think it shows a really good point that like this is, this is not starting now in 2022. Right, right. You know, this is something that a lot of companies have been doing for a very long time. And um, it's not that all of this is unproven. It just might not be as prolific as, you know, the everyday PLC yet. But, but these That's things true. are coming, right? Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, what's a... Uh, what is like an industry that maybe you don't think is leveraging Cognex and computer vision and some of these capabilities as much as they potentially could be? So when I started at Cognex back in 1998, our, our founder used to say, if man made it, we could inspect it. And if God made it, <laughs> stay away. And he even had the wood doors <laughs> at our headquarters painted over because he didn't want to see the wood crane. And so things that were more huh. nature-based were, were not a good area for machine vision. But with new 3D huh. imaging technology and especially deep learning technology, those two areas are really changing the types of applications we can pursue. So as an example, in the food industry, Cognix has always been strong on the packaging side of the plant, but we did little to nothing on the process side. Now we're solving applications on the process side, like using vision to guide automated chicken deboning machine machines. And so I think hmm. there are a lot more opportunities in the process world where we just really didn't have cost-effective solutions, where a combination of 3D and machine learning technology can provide real solutions to applications in the process world. That that's really cool and a really good point, right? So, you know, all, all those times that we're clicking on, you know, identifying traffic lights or things like that as we're entering our passwords, you know, part of it is it, it's feeding in those networks that do things like that in the physical in the natural world and things. That's a it's a really good point though. You're right. Like in that manufactured environment, you have so much more control and that is a great place for vision to start. But I can definitely see, I think we all see in our everyday lives, right? The it's not working on the video right now, but just the way that, you know, your computer can fuzz out your background and teams and, and zoom and things like that. That is a natural world, you know, application of computer vision. Yeah, right I think there. it's important that, you know, people who may have looked at using vision in the past where it just wasn't economical or just didn't really work for their application. I think now is a good time to make sure that people mm -hmm. are, are rethinking that strategy, because sometimes you can you can say this technology doesn't work for me and then not go back to it. I think this is an opportunity for people to say, okay, let's let's re-examine because there have been so many 
technological gains in the last four to five years where vision can be used in more places now. Especially with all that stuff that you were just talking about with the cloud too, right? I mean, that idea of connecting these vision systems and having your plants connected to the cloud, again, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't totally crazy, but it certainly wasn't common. And now it's starting to become a lot. Well, you had common, right? certainly had challenges with image offload and how quickly could you get images out. And, you know, we, we continually face that challenge mm -hmm. because, you know, resolution keeps increasing. You know, we used to deal with VGA images yeah. and then it was 1K, you know, megapixel images. And now it's five megapixel images and then it's 10 megapixel images. And so, you know, transition yep. <laughs> to things like gigabit Ethernet and eventually going to, you know, 10 gig E, uh, creating separate network ports for image traffic versus data traffic. Uh, those are things that are helping us be able to move more data into the cloud, uh, where in the past it was really not even feasible. Cool. So, and maybe to, to inspire some of our listeners around kind of the, the cooler applications of, of computer vision and machine vision, um, kind of what's a more like surprising industry or a more surprising use case that you guys have had to dive into uh, that people might well, not think of? Interesting. When, when COVID-19 hit, uh, Cognex, like many companies, yeah. face potential for you know, like some real economic hardship, right? And not knowing who's yeah. going to be making stuff, what was consumer demand going to be? And uh, fortunately for Cognex, there was this massive demand to build test kits and ramp up vaccine production. And, and those created opportunities for Cognex because test kits, uh, vaccines packaged in vials, uh, needles for you know injection, all of those devices in the pharma world have to be inspected and need traceability throughout the supply chain. And so we had a long history yep. of working with different medical device and pharmaceutical companies, but COVID actually created a, a unique demand for rapid scale up of, of technical technical solutions. Uh, we had a, a variety of you know, existing communication protocols so we could work with different vendors. And what happened was some of these companies actually realized that deploying this technology could become a long-term part of their industry 4.0 manufacturing strategy because it did bring a lot of value and a lot more repeatability to the, pro to the process and they could de deploy it quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, and was that an instance too, or it was valuable to have people off the shop floor when you weren't allowed, you just couldn't have as many people in proximity, right? If you could be watching some of these things with, with a camera, instead of having a person watching it, that's, that's, you know, well, that's, yeah, that, that goes to a sort of a root of, you know, what, what does manufacturing look like in the future? And, you know, I've been in yeah. manufacturing plants in China in my career, where there are literally thousands of people working in close proximity to one another where they are doing yeah. manual inspection. Some tasks were difficult to automate or you had you know, a, a lower cost labor market. And so you just put people on the, on the floor and you know, our devices, yeah. they, they don't contact or transmit COVID. And so, you know, yep. so they can be used <laughs> in a lot of spaces. And again, I think the, the growth of, of 3D and machine learning technology is also enabling us to solve some of the applications that we couldn't solve before where people were required, but certainly creating these work cells and automation is, is an important manufacturing strategy for most companies going forward. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so that's a good example, right? Kind of these COVID inspection kits, right? That's a, a unique use case you jumped onto, but maybe for listeners that might not be as familiar with Cognex, what's the, what are the common problems that you're solving with, with computer vision and kind of what are those what are those low-hanging fruits that really anybody should be doing well, these days? Um, with yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we solve, we serve almost every industry. I mean, we, we work in automotive, pharmaceutical, yeah, right. consumer electronics, semiconductor. I think anytime you're making mm -hmm. stuff, 
there's an opportunity. <laughs> oh, any, so manufacturing. Or you need traceability through a supply chain. You know, our vision systems and our barcode readers can be deployed. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think from the simplest case of traceability applications that are a combination of reading barcodes, but also reading date and lot codes in different industries. And, you know, in some cases, like pharmaceutical, maybe food and beverage, medical device, they're sort of ahead of that mm -hmm. curve. They've long had traceability initiatives. Uh, other companies are starting to learn the value of traceability and making sure that we understand where our products are in the supply chain. And those are, are pretty easy applications for us to solve. Uh, just basic assembly verification, just putting cameras out there to make sure that something didn't fail upstream, mm -hmm. that when we put a product together or put a kit together, that all the components are in place. Uh, those are some pretty easy applications. And then, you know, what's emerging right now is this, this big shift to electric vehicles, right? There's this tremendous ramp okay. up of sort of the change in manufacturing from traditional powertrain applications to battery assembly and battery inspection. And the battery mm -hmm. inspection applications are particularly interesting because they're not solved using our traditional machine vision library of tools. We're actually leveraging work we did 15, 20 years ago in the semiconductor industry to deal with like laser weld quality and things like that because the, the, the problems that you're trying to find, the, the defects are so small and they vary. And so a combination of bringing higher resolution, bringing technology from the semiconductor world into EV manufacturing, and then also uh, bringing in uh, machine learning algorithms is allowing us to rapidly attack the EV battery assembly market. Yeah, so Rick, another question um, that we have. So this actually got sent to us from a, a previous guest, uh, and you'll have the chance to do uh, the same yourself. We, we always try to have a guest ask a question for a, a future guest. But one of the people we were, I was talking to recently was asking around what industry 4.0 technologies do you think would be maybe the most difficult to implement in a heavily regulated industry like a pharmaceutical manufacturing um, that would still actually like be worth it? It's still going to provide value, even though it might be kind of a, a tougher hill to Okay, climb. sure. Um, one area we've seen some challenges is implementing machine learning and AI at the device level. As an example, okay. for years, we've been using traditional correlation-based OCR tools for applications like date and lot code traceability. This type of vision tool fits nicely into the pharmaceutical application validation and change control processes because you can document parameter settings and detect when parameters have been changed. More recently, mm -hmm. we've introduced machine learning OCR technology that can solve some very challenging OCR applications where correlation-based tools underperform. But with machine learning, there are no input parameters. You simply train a neural network using an image database. And if the tool encounters an image where it can't read a character, you can add that image into the training database, which updates the neural network. But there's no clear way to document what changed. You, can't re you can requalify the application by rerunning the entire image database against the updated neural network, but you can't document that I changed parameter X from the value of four to five. So that's created some uh -huh. sort of unique discussions on how do we actually validate, validate change if something has to be changed in an application. But I do believe it's worth using this new OCR technology where traditional OCR tools struggle because what's the alternative? Are you going to revert back to human mm -hmm. inspection? Are you going to live with excess scrap rates? 
So I think the technology is certainly valuable to deploy, but I think it might require more of a long-term solution, which is a collaborative initiative with machine vision vendors like Cognex, pharmaceutical companies, and, and the FDA to develop new procedures to more easily adapt or adopt machine learning technology. And not just for OCR applications, but there are other areas where machine learning is solving problems in defect detection and other assembly verification challenges, where we just don't have a way to parameter, parameterize how the application is, is being validated. That's a particularly challenging thing. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that, I, I think that you're talking about a very interesting challenge that you're right, I think goes beyond just, just Cognex to solve, right? But I do think the entire pharmaceutical industry and, and life sciences manufacturing um, with the way that they do validation and with the value of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and the way that that could infect validation is, is a big question mark. I think a lot of people are, are curious to see how uh, how we're going to be able to capture that value while still keeping everybody safe sure. and quality high. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Rick, so, so now is your chance. Do you have a question um, on your mind about Industry 4.0 that you would like for me to ask to a future guest? Sure. I, you know, I'd like to know, you know, as you or, or your other guests um, think about Industry 4.0, when you talk to customers and companies, uh, do they have an Industry 4.0 person uh, with the title of mm. Chief Data Officer or someone with the title that includes data governance in their role? Because an important part of moving to this digital factory is, is putting meaning behind the data. And that requires sort of a regiment and a, and a methodology that I think is a immature part, part of a lot of manu manufacturing companies' um, current strategy. As an example, as we send data from a device to a PLC, we send numerical data. We send 12 and the PLC says, great, 12 is the answer I was looking for, but 12 what? Is it 12 meters, 12 <laughs> inches, <laughs> you know, 12, mm -hmm. whatever. And so, you know, it's yeah, important yeah. that we, we begin putting uh, data dictionaries in place. It's important that we uh, have a systematic way to define what our data means, especially as we move it up into the edge intelligence devices up into the cloud so that there's context to that data. And I think that's an area where I think a lot of companies need to um, to you know focus their efforts on is is their their data maturity. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and uh, I certainly have met quite a few leads of digital transformation or industry four or the smart factory in my time. But I do think that question around data governance and kind of chief data officers is, is a good extension of that. And uh, yeah, I am curious to to pick the brains of the other people that join me too, to see kind of how they, they've run into also. So uh, no, really good question. Uh, well, hey, Rick, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners really enjoyed that. I think it was a great conversation. Um, before I let you go, anything special that is going on with Cognex these days that you would like to, to promote and make sure that people know about? Other than what I've already talked about, I think, you know, the exciting news, especially in the edge intelligence world, I think uh, is, is really showing that we have a, a keen focus on being part of the Industry 4.0 solution as a prolific data provider, and especially with the images that we collect, you know, we, we have so much information available that we can put meaning to, but we just need more algorithms and, and more collections. So I think that's a, a key area for people to be looking at Cognex is, is how are we integrating into 
that analytics and uh, higher level intelligence into their plans. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's your your spot on for that. And then I'll also maybe even go back a little bit. I really like that point that you had earlier about if if you had a problem before that you thought machine vision was the answer for, but it, the technology wasn't quite there, maybe, maybe it's time to go ahead and look again. A lot's changed and it's been a really exciting time. So. Uh, hey, again, thank you, Rick. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we really appreciate that you're here and we would love to hear from you. So uh, please do follow Grand Tech on LinkedIn to stay up to date with what we're doing. Subscribe to this Industry 4.0 podcast with Grand Tech wherever you happen to get your podcasts. And you can always email any questions or any feedback on what we're talking about to info at grandtech.com. And please be sure to join us next time on the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grand Tech. Rick, thank, thank you, you again.